Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I am your host, Hanan Elbasha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough, I am worthy, I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Empowered to Grow. This is your host, Hanan Elbasha. Um, today, I have a very special friend, a school friend, and we hadn't seen each other in a while. I'm not going to say how long that while is. So let's, <laughs> let's be clear on that. <laughs> but um, I love that she has a passion for education. And she's an educator by profession and by passion. And um, her style is a bit more integrated. She is a pioneer in what she does in Egypt, um, specifically about leadership and um, enhancing and improving and encouraging leadership in children, leadership in the teams and in her um, teaching uh, classes. And accordingly, she is the head of a school, but um, she went through the whole story and journey of education over the past 22, 23 years. So Russia, thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> I'm very happy also that Russia, this is her first episode or her first podcast recording. So um, I got the privilege first recording. And <laughs> the, the privilege and the honor to be the first to record a podcast with her. Um, Russia, when I sent you and said, okay, I, you know, I've got the podcast, Empowered to Grow, I'd love to have you. What does the term Empowered to Grow mean to you? All right. When, whenever I think of life, um, you know, morning, night, morning, night, day in, day out, growth does happen. But it's all about what kind of growth is happening. Yeah. When you're talking about Empowered to Grow, you're talking that you are assisting, helping, that this growth does not just happen organically, yeah. but it's happening with an impact, happens with a difference, happens with a better tomorrow. Um, okay. I, I always tell my students, like, tomorrow I'm a better me than I was yesterday. We don't compete with each other. We compete with ourselves. Yes. Not and sure. and this is what this is what I think when you said empower to grow, and uh, it was one of the reasons actually that I agreed to the podcast. First of all, I was like, you know, I don't do this, and then I said, yeah. well, you know, life is a journey, and we need to embrace that journey and embrace the growth that comes with it. So, True. what if uh, embarking on something new like this podcast is? a chance for me to grow in a different way. You know, it's just like branches. So, yes. you know, I've got my STEM and that's my the education and the job I do. I do little things on the side, uh, like hiking or parachuting, different things that I'd yeah. never think of doing. And this was just another branch, trying something so that as I grow, it's a fuller growth. It's I just not that. bits and pieces. I so that's, that. that's what came to mind. That's great. And maybe now you will have a podcast for school and then you can have more. <laughs> but actually going, going to that, it's for me when I thought of the podcast and I thought of the, the topic of the podcast and stuff, for me, it was about talking to amazing women. You know, I, I, I've, I've been blessed to know amazing women around the world. 
And each of us have shown in their own unique way how they were either empowering themselves and others to grow. And I always feel that there's, there's a lesson from every episode. I grow with every episode, and I love that about it too. So you are empowered to grow, and you just uh, gave a little hint about the, the hiking and the parachuting and stuff and the education, <laughs> but um, you've had your own journey of being empowered to grow. Would you tell us a little bit about your story, please? All right. So um, I went into teaching. I've always been... Um, good at delivering information. I enjoy that. Uh, I have a way of thinking about things and I, and I, I enjoy explaining things even since I was at university. So first I started teaching at university level and then I went into school mm-hmm. and um, I've been an English teacher since the very beginning. And to me, I always believe, and this is, this is my belief to date, that education is key to anything any growth, any improvement, anything. The start of is education. And that needs to be done well. And it's not content. It's not in English grammar rules. By far, that is not it. Um, I once said, and I believe very deeply in this, that where I am today, who I am today, is all a result of my school education. And when I went to Kuwait English School a couple of years back, I made sure I went and met the director, Mr. Saddaq, the owner of the school, and Ms. Mahmoud, Rhoda Mahmoud, and told them, I need to tell you thank you. I was here only until year 10, but that shaped who I was. And I've always been trying to give my students a taste of that kind of empowered education. Yes, you learn, but you learn to think and to question and to understand the rationale behind things. It's not just following rules, it's much more. So I started as an English teacher. I've always been teaching high school. I was very uh, lucky to also teach literature. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of critical thinking. There's a lot of inferences that can be made. And there's no wrong answer as long as you can support your answer. You know, so there's always a chance to stand out. And I've always made it a point to share and connect to real life Mm -hmm. all through my journey. And then I went into a different leadership positions. Head of department, still taught. Uh, middle school principal still taught uh, business development education and business development director and I still taught I was always teaching until I had to um, I got the opportunity to start a new school as CEO and I was able to introduce uh, Montessori uh, schooling uh, in an international uh, system and then that's when I stopped teaching it was only administrative work And then I left that and I've been heading a British school. When I went to head the British school, I got the chance to do something that I was very eager to do. And it has to do with empowerment. Um, I create, I was lucky enough to find people to support me in creating a character education class, bringing people on board, having mentors, working with the students and getting the students to understand how to look at their problems, 
mm-hmm. like self-image, accepting who they are, accepting their parents, all different, you know, the, the different problems teenagers are always facing and work with them. And, you know, we, we monitor their growth cards and we try to communicate with their parents. And that's just part, one part of the school. Yeah. I don't believe school is only about grades. I believe that the students can get the content of any online site or YouTube videos. Yes. So uh, a click of a button, they have an answer. I believe it's more about teaching them how to learn yes. over and over again. And this is, but again, you can't do that if you don't do that yourself. And that was part of why I keep reminding myself that I mm-hmm. cannot uh, reach a standstill point. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's why I embark on doing different things like uh, hiking. I only started last year and it's already something that I cannot stop. And I've already been to different summits and peaks here in, in Egypt. And, it, and it's something I enjoy tremendously. Uh, because it's a challenge. It's, you know, yes. getting out of your comfort zone, meeting people you've never met before. And, you know, there's no judgment. And again, it brings a sense of humbleness into your world, which you in turn are able to communicate because yeah. you're able to project that to your students. True. So that's that's just what I've been doing uh, leading teachers, students, schools, and myself. And you were also representative of um, the the only representative of Egypt within um, the leadership. Um, I was, I was uh, recommended by uh, the State Department last year to uh, take part in uh, the International Visitors Leadership Program, which is a, a a, a, a program hosted by the Department of State. It's, it's only by recommendation. You can't apply for it. I was the mm. only person from uh, international education in Egypt. So that was a privilege. Then we had uh, three other people from uh, STEM schools in the ministry and one person from the UN. So it was a very unique opportunity to go visit schools and universities there. Repres- mm. Talk about that different side. So it's not only the the official uh, education that students get, but I was representing more of a different, abroad, right, in Egypt, we have so many more private schools and a lot more students in private education than is the situation abroad in the UK or in the US. So it was very important to have a representative of both sides. Yeah. so that you are communicating a clearer um, projection of what the educational field is like in, in Egypt, and you are able to receive uh, help in terms of ideas that you yeah. can implement and take back. Some things can work for both sides, some things can only work for one side. Yeah. So yes, I was, I was very privileged to be part which, of that. Which is amazing. And, and also, I think part of, of what you you said and part I think of the journey and part of shaping how you want the education within the school to be is also very related to the Montessori way which is about immersion and it's about the experience of the school and the system and the education rather than just the 
being on the receiving end and just receiving, you know, the information or the knowledge and then going out and, and doing exams with it. And I remember I only got to know about the Montessori when, when our son was going to school and I started, I'm like, okay, hang on a second. I go and they're like, they're teaching them how to iron. And my husband looks at me, he's like, seriously, I'm like, yeah, I love this. You know, <laughs> it's about real life. It's, yeah. It's about living, but it's also about learning by application. It's hands-on and it's, it's, and I think this is the experience that, I know as much as I loved our, you know, the British school and the system, yeah. because it too has definitely shaped my personality. It, it structured me in, in a way. And then when I went to the American university, I also got a different angle of, of life because for me it was like, okay, now it's the execution and the application of things, but um, the Montessori, the IB system and all of this, th these are, are progressions of, of, um, of an amazing immersion experience of education. I totally agree. Um, first time I went into a Montessori class, what struck me, and this was in the U.S. and it was a um, it was a flagship class, so it's it's a class that people would go, so or sorry, a school that you would go to to see what true Montessori what about, was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was in Newgate in Sarasota, Florida, and I was there. You know, I knocked and came in. You don't need to knock, you know. Yeah. Everyone was in their little world doing what they needed to do at that time. Yeah. And I remember just standing there and just observing. And the, this little girl just put a little rock on her rug on the floor and left to go to the bathroom. And I was like, okay, I no need to take an excuse or, you know, ask anyone. And then in a little while, I saw another girl, a boy with a friend, a girl and boy, and, you know, and they decided and this was a fifth grade class. But again, in Montessori, you don't, you have multi-age. So it yeah, looked like right. a child who could be in fifth grade, but it could yeah. be your four or five or six, because, you know, they're yeah. all mixed age and mm -hmm. uh, in the same class. And he also put a rock on what, on the, on the, a mat that he was working on and him and his friend went to eat yeah. and it struck me I said for my entire life I have had to wait for permission, permission. to be able to fulfill my basic needs but mm -hmm. this is a child who is able to identify a basic need I need to go to the bathroom now. I don't need anyone to approve of my need. Yeah. I need to eat now. I don't need anyone to approve of my need. I know my work. I have indicated that I'm taking a rest, a pause. And, you know, they take very short breaks or just go to the bathroom and come back and resume. And I said, that's it. That's one of the things that I would like children to always have, they go back to themselves. Yes. They don't need to look for someone outside of them to allow them to recognize their needs and fulfill their needs. Yes. And I, I remember that um, speaking of that, because that's funny. And I use that example all the time now with my son is like, um, I was in class and we were senior three possibly or something like that. I was like, I, can I go to the bathroom? And it was the English teacher. And she's like, well, technically you can. But it's like, <laughs> may you go or not? That's just, oh, yes. I remember oh, that. 
like, you can. <laughs> that, that has impacted me. But I think, again, it's going back to, it's not only about identifying the need and going in and tuning in with yourself, but more importantly, that they have been taught to assume responsibility for Which what is empowerment. Need. Yes, true. And that is it. See? That's the basis. And that's the core of it. Exactly. Um, something else that it was one of the things I noticed there, and it was one of the things I really loved and I wish uh, to see more uh, frequently, dinner time or lunch time. Yeah. It was a must that, you know, they all sat at a table. They set the table. Each one sat where they have because, you know, and each one has their own lunchbox. Teacher sits with the children to eat. And as a guest, I was invited uh, to join them, even though I did not have my lunchbox. And they had a little glass jar in the middle yeah. of the table with small rocks. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was just, you know, what, why did they put that there? You know, I don't know. And what, what happened was first child took a rock out and it had a topic, you know, ask about your day or uh, would you like to eat? Any very minor question. And the child asked the person in front of him that question. And so the person in front of him answered and then went and picked another rock and they were just conversation starters. So yeah. these children, we're learning that at dinner time, you need to converse together. And they had the rocks connect. to ensure that they were going to connect, whether they liked it or not, with every single person in the, the, uh, sitting at the table. And do not make it an excuse that you can't find anything to say. Just an answer. It doesn't have to be long. doesn't yeah. have to be, uh, you know, but you are going to take part in this give and take. Again, that was one of the things that has stayed with me uh, since that very first time. And it was one of the things that I'm always trying to do in whichever system we teach. It's like, these are things anyone can do. You know, you don't have to have a Montessori curriculum to do that. You can easily embrace that yes, in different absolutely. ways. Yes, absolutely. having it being systematic, is yes. brilliant, you know, and well done to the teacher and to the school for, for doing that, teaching yes. children to um, answer and question each other about whatever topic and accept what's being said. It's yes. dialogue, you know, they're, they're, they're doing that. They're learning that at a very uh, young age. And again, these are little things that um, I've taken uh, uh, on board or you know you, you put them in your mind and yeah. whenever you have an opportunity you try to say all right this this is this is a chance we can do this now let's let's yes. try to teach that because that's education yes not only the maths not the science no. that's education yeah um I, I'll share something else that um, I learned during that journey it was a very um it was a very difficult and hard, uh, mentally and physically exhausting journey to start that school and then leave it. But at the same time, it was exhilarating in the sense that I learned so much mm. and had to go through so much. To, and I grew in so many ways that it, it could have been a lifetime. Yes. Um, so uh, again, I believe 
there was this teacher and uh, we were discussing the rationale of homework for children in primary school, (laughs) you know, and uh, I still don't get how my son doesn't have homework. I'm like, why? (laughs) Yes. You know, and in Montessori schools, you don't have homework. (laughs) So I sat with uh, Richard and I said, uh, you know, wouldn't it be like practice? Yeah, just give a couple of things for them to go over. It doesn't, everything doesn't have to be, you know, done by hand. At the end, there are worksheets. It's yeah. not like Montessori doesn't have worksheets. And he said, okay, so if I gave 10 questions and the child got seven out of 10, how would you interpret that? I said, well, um, Maybe he did silly mistakes. Maybe there was a question that was a bit challenging. Um, He said, so what is more important to you? The product or the process? Hmm. No, we sit with them and we go, we see their thinking process to recognize and identify where the child goes wrong. Hmm. And that's where you fix it. So it doesn't matter what the product is, but once you fix the process, the product will always be correct. But just because the product was correct does not mean that the process is always right. That's right. You know, and you know, all right, <laughs> I surrender. <laughs> no homework. <laughs> but that actually goes to the to the the beautiful concept that I started applying and then started. Well, I learned and I started applying in my life. It's always going about to the root cause. Instead of dealing with the symptoms, you're going to the root cause. Exactly. So the symptom is he got it wrong. He got it wrong because he didn't understand. He got it wrong because he wasn't focused. He got it wrong because, you know, he got distracted. Exactly. But what is, does he understand it or not? That's the root cause. And that's the beautiful thing about about the experiential learning. It's not just about uh, the application. So from where you stand now, what advice would you go back and tell your 19-year-old self? All right. <laughs> I definitely still go into education. I don't think I would uh, ever change that. Um, I don't think I would change much in my professional life and the steps mm-hmm. I took, but I would definitely... Uh, change uh, the approach I had to my own self and my own learning. Uh, I mean, yes, I was able to travel to conferences and yes, you know, whenever there was a learning opportunity, I would embrace it. But I never allowed myself to feel that I had the right to do things that were not related to growth that was going to benefit my profession. So Mm -hmm. it took me a very long time, a very long time to allow myself to uh, identify the little things Mm -hmm. that I enjoyed. Yeah. And uh, a lesson I learned, and I've been applying for the past three, four years now, I was always a perfectionist. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm an English teacher. I see the comma and the semicolon. And if you exactly. use them wrong, I die. 
you know. I'm, so, I'm so actually were... inclined to think now perfectionism has very much to do with the British education system. <laughs> Maybe, but you know, I I, I can't. I only yes. see that. Yeah, I, I know. You know, and, and that's all I see. Uh, that's that's. <laughs> I only see the small mistakes that can be fixed. I only yeah. look at something and immediately my mind goes, "How can it be better?" Yeah. Not, it would, you know, even better if, how can this be better? It's never good enough. Uh-huh. And I, I always had this idea of all or none. So you did yeah. everything perfectly or it didn't, it didn't matter. Don't do it at all. It didn't yep. matter how much, you know, work you put into it. It was not, it was not what had to be done. Mm-hmm. And so I was always very harsh on myself. Uh, I hold myself accountable for everything. Yes. And then I accepted that some is good. Yeah. As long, you know, and believe it or not, there, you know, the, the movie about what, when it rains, uh, spaghetti or meatballs. Yeah. Meatballs um, with, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you uh, know, we had rain with, with yes 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 cloudy <laughs> with a chance of meatballs i think that was it i'm not very sure or it could be another one and they had this motto which was keep moving forward that wasn't cloudy with the thingy it was something i'll remember it and i'll tell yeah. you and it was keep moving forward and i embraced that and i said yes as long as we're moving forward yes. the pace you know can increase sometimes can decline and decrease sometimes, but as long as progress is happening, even a pause is acceptable because you need to have things settle to be able to continue. I had to accept that. And that was only when I was able to actually pause on my, on the personal level, Yes. And think of, okay, I also need to do things for me that were not necessarily going to lead to uh, being a better teacher or a better principal or a better leader or a better, better, better. In the end, it does. But I mean, uh, I just learned to be a little bit more selfish in that sense. So uh, I'm empowering myself in, in a different way. Than, uh, than as, you know, whatever label you have for yourself yeah. as a pet mother or a daughter. You know, I'm not empowering myself to be a better anyone for anyone, but who I for am me. for me. Yes. Yeah. So from that perspective, let's take a time capsule to the future. Oh. And um, what would you like your 90-year-old self to thank you for? Taking risks and chances. I think I'd, I'd like to do that. I think I'd like my 90-year-old self to say, to look back and say, um, yeah, I made mistakes, you know? Yeah. But it would have been boring without making those mistakes. And I don't do boring. <laughs> <laughs> Can't. Yes. Well, that's, so, that's- I'm, I always hope that when I look back, I can truly say I was able to make some day, some time, some hour better for someone. Mm. It's, that's very important for me. Yes. You know, 
uh, when I, I usually stand at the gates every morning to greet the students and, yes. you know, to greet them by name. Used to be a high five. Now we just, you know, uh, to our <laughs> elbows. Elbow yeah. bump. <laughs> and, so, yeah. And, and sometimes the, the whole objective is maybe that smile in the morning was something a child needed. Yes. You know, or that pat on the shoulder or whatever it is. And I think that at the age of 90, I'd like to think back and say, and not regret having had the chance to help someone and refusing to on purpose. It happens that you can't, you know, for different reasons. But I just hope I never uh, reflect on a situation and say, I refused to help because mm. I was too proud. I love uh, that. I just hope that. Yeah, I really hope so. I love that. So to sum up, you're on a stage and you've been on stages before, but this oh, yes. time you're <laughs> on a stage, you're talking to tens of thousands of women and the topic is around the lines of being empowered to grow. What would be that lasting message you leave them with? Believe that you can and you will. It mm -hmm. really has to do with how we speak to ourselves, Hanen. It yes. really does. Yeah. I mean, I used to think that was talk, but no. We become what we tell ourselves, and we become what we believe. And there is nothing stronger than belief. And we're very good as women in believing in a lot of things around us and working for others, empowering others, you know, sacrificing, yes. whether it's for family or friends or work, you know, and, and always feeling that. Uh, we, we can't, we don't have time. And I believe that we do that to ourselves. If we believe in something, we need to believe in ourselves. Yeah. We need to accept who we are. That, you know, what if this is as good as it gets? Then I need to enjoy it now. Yeah. And we can. That's true. That's true. I love that. So... Um, I'm going to put your, your Facebook profile. So if anyone wants to connect, All right. <laughs> um, Marcia, thank you so much. I love this. Thank you for sharing your energy. Thank you for sharing your thank wisdom. You. Thank you for taking a stand against the norm and coming from a different place and empowering literally generations to come. I'm sure you're impacting you. so many lives and I'm sure you're getting the messages. I know personally you're getting the messages <laughs> of, of the impact that you're creating and being at the center of this ripple effect of positivity and of empowerment is a beautiful place to be. I'm very proud of you. You should be proud of you. Thank you. And I uh, can't wait what, uh, what you're going to do next. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <laughs> yes, <please. laughs> Thank you. Thank well, you so very much. It truly was lovely having this podcast. And uh, I don't think I'm half as nervous as I thought I'd be. <laughs> See, I told you. It's just a conversation. <laughs> it is. It is. So thank you very much for inviting me, Hanen. Truly, truly, thank you. It was you. my honor. Thank you. Well, as you always know, empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. For further engagement with a tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, or visit my website, www.hananelbasha.com.
I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all.